great to see you here. Uh, and now um, I'm involved, I work for the denomination for the Presbyterian Church across New South Wales. And if anyone knows me, that's a pretty strange thing because I, I wouldn't say that I'm Presbyterian. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus who loves working within the Presby Church. Uh, but uh, I work for the denomination on healthy pastoral ministry. Uh, healthy pastoral ministry, looking after pastors and their wives to be healthy in ministry and encouraging churches to be healthy in their ministry. So if you can pray for us on that, that's a pretty large thing. It's across the whole of New South Wales. There's about 180 churches. Sorry, there's 150 churches and over 180 people working in those churches around the state. And uh, my little part in the team, Ministry and Mission in Sydney, is about health. Another part of it is about uh, revitalisation and church growth. And another part is uh, dealing with just all the admin that has to happen in churches as well and conflict resolution and uh, conciliation. So pray for us as a team. There's three guys working there, myself, Matt Oates, John Urban and Lani is our admin lady. So she uh, keeps us on our toes. Um, but please pray for us in that. Um, coming back here is amazing. It's wonderful to come back and uh, to hear music played well, to hear a congregation sing well. Uh, you don't know how good that is when that doesn't happen everywhere. <laughs> some of the places and some of the churches I go into, it's like they're still back in the 1700s and uh, the decor looks the same and, it's, and there's no one there. Uh, so please, be encouraged. It's great to see you here. It's great to see this church continually growing, God doing his work amongst you. Uh, love, love, love. It's a great sentiment, isn't it? It's a great thought. Love, love, love. Uh, who's seen this movie? Yesterday, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. You can get it on Netflix now for free. Well, you've got to pay for Netflix, but uh, you can watch it on Netflix yesterday. It's uh, a movie about a situation where this guy's a struggling musician. Suddenly there's this moment in time where the whole earth goes blank and then when everyone comes back from that, the Beatles were never... No one ever heard a song from the Beatles. Uh, and so this guy here starts playing Beatles songs and... Everyone's just blown away. They think it's amazing. So if you like the Beatles, you like the Beatles songs, watch this movie, it's well worth it. Uh, and one of the really famous songs of the Beatles is All You Need Is Love. I won't sing because lots of you know that me singing would send you all out the door, the back, very quickly. Uh, but it's a great song, All You Need Is Love. And they go on and on, All You Need Is Love. It's a, it's a lovely tune, isn't it? It's a great song about love. But what is love? How do you get love? What's love got to do with it anyway, according to I can see Turner? Do you feel loved? Do you know you're loved? Do you feel that God loves you? Today we're going to look at a passage that takes us into that. Uh, in the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, love is mentioned a lot of times. In the passage that we're about to read, from 1 John 4, verses 7 to 21, love is mentioned about 30 times. Now, if you read the Bible and you see a word is mentioned a couple of times, it normally means that's pretty important. This passage has the word love mentioned close to 30 times. So I think... It means we need to listen really carefully. And if we want to know what love is, 
if we want to experience love, if we want to know what God's love is and experience his love, then this is a great passage to look at. Uh, so open up your Bibles, and it'll be on the screen as well. It's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Matt Chapman was going to read this for us this morning, but I think the gastro bug has gone through the whole family. So dear old Matt is able to do that. Uh, so it'll be on the screen. I'll try to read from that one up there. We'll see how I go. I might have to turn around on here. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, uh, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever loves lives in God and God in them. That's how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Uh, in the world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Did you count how many? Now, go home and have a count. Uh, you'll see it's, it's very close to 30. I think it's around about 27, 28. Uh, it's an amazing passage, isn't it? There is so much in this passage, and I'd really encourage you to actually swim in it for a little bit longer. Uh, when you go home from here, spend some time. I'm going to give you something a little bit later. You've even got it in your hand, but I'm going to help you to think about how to swim in this a little bit later. Uh, but it's a great passage. Uh, this was a great wedding. Uh, this is uh, Hannah and Sam, who were married earlier this year in September. Uh, I am, Karina and I are dependent less. We have no more dependents. I'm not sure that goes on for very long, but we're dependent less. All our kids are married. And this is the passage that we used for their wedding. And, and lots of people use this passage for a wedding. It's a great passage for the wedding, but actually it's an even better passage for us. Because John, who wrote this, wasn't writing to people getting married. John, who was writing this, was writing to a group of Jesus followers in a community 
and he wanted to encourage them to love one another. Uh, He wanted them to see what it is to be loved. Uh, If you read 1 John from beginning to end, it's a very different book to like Romans. If you know Paul who writes different parts of the Bible, Paul generally writes A plus B equals C. You can work it out. There's a nice structure. You go here plus here plus here. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's here. John doesn't do that. So uh, we believe the one who wrote this, John, is the same one that wrote John in uh, the Gospels. And if you read the Gospel of John, it's very different to the other Gospels. What John does is he takes a theme, he runs all around, all over the place, and he comes back to the theme. First half of 1 John is all about the light. That we, that Jesus is the light, that we need to walk in the light, we need to shine the light. The second half of 1 John is all about love. And he goes all over the place. So this passage starts with loving one another, then goes over about what God loves, then comes back, then goes over here, goes over. But in the middle of it, if it's mentioned 27 times, then love is the key, isn't it? So as we dig into this passage, and have a think about it today, how about we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you spoke uh, through people many, many hundreds of years ago, Lord, but out of that, uh, your word is clear. You speak directly to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you this morning for 1 John. We pray this morning as we look at that together, uh, that as we spend uh, just this moment in it, that, Lord, you'll open up our hearts, that your spirit will take what we hear and what we see and transform us from the inside out. We pray this morning, Lord, that after being here today, we will be different people when we leave here. That we will be people who look more and more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, So we're going to go through and we're going to see that there's a, a couple of things here. I'm just going to take you into three areas. Uh, you could spend a whole lot more time in this and think a lot more about it. But we're going to look at the fact that you are loved. We're going to encourage you to grow in love. And then we're going to see that we are loved to be a lover. I know where you've heard the saying, blessed to be a blessing. It's a great saying. Lots of people are running with it these days. Blessed to be a blessing. We did a series on it a couple of years ago. Uh, but this is what Paul's, uh, John is saying here in this, that we are loved to be a lover. That's what we're going to look at as we go through this morning. And the first thing we're going to see is that you are loved. I don't know whether you walked in here this morning or even during the week and think that you are loved. Let's have a look at what the Bible says. Uh, first of all, that we see in verse 7 in this passage, we see, uh, for love comes from God. That's where it comes from. Then we see that God is love. Uh, He's more than love, but his essence is love. There's so much to God, but in essence he is love. And then we see that this is how God showed his love amongst us. He showed his love. We're going to find out a little bit more. And then we see down in verse uh, 10 there, uh, so God loved us, but he loved us. This is how, sorry, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. God is love, he shows his love and he loves us. And then in verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, then in verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God 
loves you. God loves us. You are crazily, amazingly, phenomenally loved by the creator, the sustainer, the one who has made anything, the all-powerful God of the universe says that he loves you. That's phenomenal, isn't it? He loves you. And it says later on that in that love, and when we know that love, when we experience that love, when we know what that love is for us, then we're complete in that. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Do you know that you and I were made to be complete by only one thing? God. That is it. Nothing and no one else will ever make you complete. Only him. Who knows what this uh, picture comes from, what movie? It's testing your movie systems today, aren't I? You want to know what this one is? Come on. Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Uh, he is a whole movie about Jerry. He's an agent. Uh, he's got a, a footballer and the footballer says, show me the money. It's all about money, Jerry. It's all about money. Well, as time goes on, Jerry works out that it's not all about money because he meets Renee and he works out it's all about relationships. And so this really build-up scene, it's the most powerful scene in the whole movie. They've broken up, it's all been terrible. Jerry's worked out it's about relationships. He's worked out that he loves Renee. And so he comes up to the door and he knocks on the door and he says hello and he says, I can't remember her name, but we'll call her Renee because that's her real name. Renee, you complete me. And everyone goes, oh. And I say, absolute garbage. It's garbage, isn't it? It's a lie. It's not true. No one and nothing completes you apart from God because you are made to be in relationship with him now and for eternity. And if you try anything else to make you complete, it fails. Nothing and no one completes us other than God. Because he loves us completely and he knows us completely and he still loves us. You see, we all worry, don't we? That if someone really knows our heart, will they still love us? And God does. Because God demonstrates that and shows us that love in sending Jesus. Look at verse 9 to 10. If you want a memory verse, this is a great memory verse for you to take out of today. It's a good one to have to remind you of what God has done for us and his love for us. It says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Did you get that? We will not live a complete and full life apart from Jesus. We won't live. It won't happen. And he makes that possible with the next verse. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us 
And even though we've decided, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you, God, I'm going to try and run my life my way. He says, no, 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 I love you so much that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That he steps in and he takes our rebellion against God and he nails it to the cross and says, it is finished. I have taken everything that you have ever done wrong. I've nailed it across your past, your present, your future, it is all laid on him. Nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God in Jesus. Nothing. That's how much God loves you. He takes all that on himself and not only does he deal with our guilt, the stuff we've done wrong, but he deals with our shame. The fact that we feel really bad about what we've done. What is the first thing that Adam and Eve do in the garden after they've disobeyed God? What do they do? They hide and they, they cover them up because suddenly they have shame. Suddenly, maybe God won't love me because of what I've done. Maybe I can't be bare and open with God now he knows what's going on in my heart. They cover up. And if you look through the Bible, guilt and shame are the two big themes and Jesus does with them both. He deals with them both. He deals with our sin and our guilt. He deals with our shame. He deals with our guilt on the cross and he deals with our shame by saying, come to me. You put your trust in Jesus. If you trust in him, he says, come to me and I'm going to welcome you into my family. I love you despite your brokenness. Because I deal with your brokenness in Jesus. That is phenomenal, isn't it? Look, If you read 1 John, go back and have a look through it. Because he deals with that, he says, this is what Jesus has done. This is how much God loves you. I'm going to make you right with me in Jesus. I'm going to deal with your shame and I'm going to bring you into my family. This is 1 John 3 verse 1. So, what great love the Father has lavished on us. Again, God's lavishing love on us. And the best way he does that is he gives us Jesus. And when we have Jesus, he says on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that he did not know him. When we trust in Jesus, we are God's children forever. We've been adopted, we've been brought in. He says, as a father, he says, come to me. You are mine. I love you and I will never, ever let you go. Hannah's got a bit of a mention in this talk, hasn't she? Uh, that's Hannah, our daughter. Uh, that was when she was about three or four. This is a really... I'm going to tear up already. This is a really special photo uh, to me. It was a random photo in one sense. It was in the front room of Ash Street. Uh, Mark knows where it is. Uh, Cameron's there these days. Uh, it's in his room where Cameron was. That was where my office was. And she just came in. She sat on my knee, put her arm around my neck, and my arm around her, her stomach. And I think Karina must have taken a photo. That is my gorgeous daughter who I love dearly. 
and will give anything to you. And now she's gone. No, no, she's with Sam. <laughs> that is a, that, no, that's my loving daughter. I, I, I love her desperately and I still love her desperately. And that photo to me is I have that on my desk. It's been on my desk for 18 years. It's a beautiful picture. My love for her, her love for me, her arm around my neck, oh, my arm around her. That's what God's like with us. In Jesus, he puts his arm around us, our arm around him. And he says to us, you are my dearly loved, precious son or daughter. That's you. How cool is that? You are loved by God. In Jesus, you are his forever. There's a book called The Five Love Languages. I don't know whether you've read it. Great book. Uh, And it talks about having a love tank. Uh, And in that, it talks about how we can help other people to feel that they're loved and have their love tank filled. This morning, I want to encourage you. How's your love tank with God? God desperately and dearly loves you. I pray your love tank is growing. Because that's the next thing we want to do. We want to grow in that love. We want to grow in God's love for us, in understanding that, experiencing it, knowing it, and living in it. And that's what the passage goes on and says, doesn't it? If you go for, you look down and it says, uh, there is uh, at the top there, verse 16, and so we know, that is we know, head, we understand up here, we know it, and then we rely, that is we put more and more trust in this, we understand it more, we trust more in this, we grow in this, the love that God has for us. Both here and here. We want to grow in that. As we grow in that, we give more and more attention to God, more and more attention we give to him, the more affirmed we have in that. And that's what verse uh, 13 says. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. That seems like a really funny little sentence in the middle of everything that's going on. But that's what John does. He jumps all over the place and he puts this little sentence in there to say that you will be affirmed and confirmed within your soul by the spirit of God. The spirit's role in your life is to affirm that you're loved by God in Jesus. That's what he wants to do. That's what the spirit's main role is. And if we're affirming that and growing that, and then we'll get to grow more and more in understanding who, what God's love is for us in him. And in that knowing and relying means we need to give more attention to it and then we will grow in that love. We live, I think, in a world that we be characterised by one word, distraction. I reckon distraction is Satan's greatest weapon against you and I now. Uh, If he turned up in some grotesque form in front of us, we'd be scared for a moment. But then we'd get on with it. 
Maybe you did something weird out there that you saw big and brown and whatever. That'd be. But what he does, he just digs away at our trust in who God is and his love for us. And the way he does that is he distracts us. Wherever you go now, you've got a phone with you, haven't you? And wherever you go, there's alerts. Beep, 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 beep. Funny noises going off all over the place, aren't they? Uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're going, there's something there that wants to grab your attention, something wants to get you. Your phone is a major one of that. You've even now got watches. You watch you talking to people, someone, and then suddenly they go, Attention's gone, hasn't it? It's distraction. Oh, I've got a text. Uh, hold on. I've got to go and take that. Uh, you have your phone beside your bed, don't you, at night, and it's listening. Don't you worry. You'll go to bed, you'll go to sleep, you'll dream something, and the next morning, on City Morning Herald, on your feed, it's about a sleep apnea machine that you need. There it is, right there. I woke up this morning, we were talking, this is amazing, we were talking last night, that Google in your home I'd be worried about. Uh, I was talking, Stephen Lynn and I were talking about travelling up in around uh, the Northern Territory into the, up into the top of Broome, Western Australia. What do you reckon is the feed on my Sydney Morning Herald that morning? Amazing experiences in the top end of Western Australia. Seriously, I have not talked about that until last night. They want to distract you. Facebook, it just wants to distract you. It wants to take you off and go in all sorts of directions. You can't go anywhere without being distracted. I was in a toilet in Wollongong at the wedding, just before the wedding. I'm standing at the Eurobowl and there's a bloke on a phone. I say, come on, mate. What are you doing? You're going to the toilet. But that's what it's like, isn't it? It's distraction everywhere. And if you're distracted, then you don't have the attention and then you don't get to know someone, you don't know what's going on. This is a great little three words I've learnt recently. It's not mine. I'd love to grab it and take it and say it's mine. It's not mine. You'll find that uh, not a lot's mine. This is not mine. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about the whole area of distraction and they quoted a person who said this. Attention develops devotion. Attention develops devotion. It's a different form of ADD, isn't it? Attention develops devotion. And it's so true, isn't it? If you really want to know God and grow in God, then you need to give him attention. How on earth do you think you're going to grow in his love if you don't spend time with him? You're just going to flip him off with a quick prayer, one as you head out the door in the morning, and then you think, I don't know whether God loves me. I don't feel God loves me. Well, you're not spending time with him. How do you know anyone loves you? You spend time with them, don't you? You know, if, you, if you're not spending time with someone, with your person that you love the most, your family member, whatever, around, if you're not spending time, you actually, it, it's like this separation isn't it and then suddenly you start to doubt what's going on because you're not spending time it's the same with God you need to spend time with him uh, and what I've given you is a little bit of a handout and I'm not going to go completely through it but this is something I've been doing lately someone again it's not mine uh, someone's given it to me it's called Lectio Divinia 
Now this is something that the Catholics have been doing for a long, long time. We can even learn from them, can't we? may not believe in all their doctrine, but some of the stuff they've done, and this is something that they're doing and have been doing for centuries. It's called Lecto Divinia, it's called spiritual reading. Uh, and the idea of this is to just set your attention on God. Uh, this is what has been done. This has been produced by a guy called Pete Curry, who got it from somewhere else. It all goes around. Um, and I've just been starting to do this. So I'm just telling you something that I've found really helpful lately. This is not something that you pick up in the morning as you're racing off to work and say, uh, like, a, uh, no. This is not even something that you probably want to give five minutes to or 15 minutes to or even half an hour to. I'm trying to spend between an hour and two hours on Fridays to do this. Now, you might say, hey, Paul, you're paid. You know, people are paying you to do this sort of stuff. You've got time to do that. Well, don't use that as an excuse because in the end, God's not going to say when you get to talk to him, say, look, I didn't really spend much time until you got... You know, that Paul did, but he was being paid to do it. Quick pass. Uh, but I, and I don't say you can do this. That's what I'm saying. This is not something you can do every day. Uh, it may be something I'm trying to do every week. Maybe it's something you can do every month. Take some space. And the very first thing it tells you to do, doesn't it, is to clear your mind and slow down. So you take off your watch if it's got a... You put your phone aside, away from you, so you can't hit the, hear the notifications. You get rid of it. You get rid of everything that's going to take your mind in any other direction. And as you sit and you slow your mind down, you might do some mindfulness breathing. Do you know, Jesus was onto mindfulness before any of these new age people worked it out. He used to go up the mountain. Just sit. Take some time, clear it out. And what will happen is, your mind will race. It'll jump somewhere, it'll jump somewhere else. Have a piece of paper beside you with a pen. Write those things down. And then say... Away from me, piece of paper. Uh, push it away and just say, okay, you'll come back to that, but just clear your mind. Set it aside to allow God to speak. And then grab a passage, take 1 John 4, read it, reread it, read it again. Reflect. Ask God by His Spirit to open up. What's he saying to you in this? What are, the, what, are the, what are the emotions that are coming as you're reading this? What's the stuff going on? We as Presbyterians, we don't talk about emotion much, you know, because that's just not too good. And a Presbyterian bloke, well, mate, emotions, they're just... I was at a mentoring training recently and they talk about getting in touch with the emotions and they thought, you know, there's all these emotions. And I thought, yeah, there's a couple, isn't there? Uh, you know, angry, sad, loving, fun. And then they brought out a page... And then they had five columns of all these emotions. I said, you've got to be joking. We can't feel all that, can we? Well, actually, you can, supposedly. I'm still only about six or seven in, but, you know, they're there. What's God doing with you? What is God doing inside of you? What are the emotions that he's welling up within you? Now, we're going to sit to be still to do that. Respond in that. Write down. Get a little diary. I've got a little journal. Write down. What, what are the things that, you, that are coming out of this? Put it down. And then sit and rest in it. That's not, we don't do that well, do we? We've got to be doing stuff. We're doers. You can't take a moment out just to rest and think that maybe God will speak to us in this. No, no, no. Rest. 
just sit in it. But don't stay sitting in it. Resolve to do something out of it. What are you going to change? What's God going to do with you in this? What things do I need to ask forgiveness for? What things do I need God to work with me in this? What am I going to do with this? Because we are loved to be lovers. We're not just loved by God to grow in his love. We're actually loved to be lovers. It's not all here. It's not all here. But it's here, here and here. Head, heart and hands. Because what, look what this passage does. Uh, right at the beginning, Paul, even though I said he's not always got some order to his stuff that goes around, I think he's got a really strong point here for us to get to take home with. Look, the very first thing he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. That's the start of the love passage. And where does he start with? He starts with actually, this is what you need to be doing, guys. Then he fills in how you can do that out of God's love, but he says this is what you need to be doing. Then look at verse 11 in the middle. So he's got it at the beginning, he's got it in the middle. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Oh, that's starting to get a bit pointed here, John. You're actually saying we've got to love other people, our brothers and sisters, those that are sitting around us? You've only said it twice. Come on, I might be able to ignore that. And then you get to the end. And what does he say right at the end? And he has given us this command. This is not a suggestion, guys. This is not, okay, you've got one point, I've given you it twice. Now he says this is a command. This is where all this is heading. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must, not when you feel like it, not because they're just good looking, not just because you like them, not just because you click with them, not just because they're in the same socioeconomic group as you, not just because they live in Evan's head. We must also love brothers and sisters. I think he's trying to get a point across, isn't he? We are loved by God. We are to grow in his love so that we love others. That's what he wants us to do. And he says, when you know that you're loved dearly by God, when you're growing in that love, then you actually are empowered to love. To go out and love others around you. To do that. We are loved to be lovers. And how do we do that? Well, how does God do it? God does that by doing what's best for us. What's best for us? is to know him in Jesus, have a relationship with God, to be complete in him in Jesus. That's what be, what's best for you and I, is for us to have a living, loving relationship with God through Jesus. So what's best for the person sitting beside you here and now? Is that they have a living, loving relationship with God and are growing in that so that they can be lovers. That's what's best for the person beside you. That's what's best for your family. That's what's best for your kids. That's what's best for your husband. That's what's best for your father. That's what's best for this community out there. That is the best thing for them. So if we're going to be loved to be lovers, we're going to do what's best for others and we want to be helping others to be people who love God in Jesus. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't do all the other things because they actually probably demonstrate that we love and John says that. Look at what he says here. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. 
So if we see someone in need, we need to go and help. If there's someone here in this congregation who's in need, then we need to rally around them. If there's a situation with a bushfire, they need somewhere to live, we should have them living with us. They need something to eat or food, we need to provide food for them. Uh, this particularly is written to those who are in a Jesus-following community. But we can take it outside too, can't we? Don't give up on doing those things. They're really important. But the best thing for everybody is that they know they are loved by God, that they can be children of God in Jesus and to grow in that and be able to out and love others because of it. And how can you do that? Well, we need to give attention to each other, don't we? Attention develops devotion. It works with God and it works with us and each other, doesn't it? If you don't feel like you're connected to somebody in this congregation, then are you spending time with them? Don't walk out and say, oh, no one loves me and then go and do your own thing. Are you deliberately spending time with other people, showing your love for them? getting to know them, understanding them so that you can love them back. If you don't give each other attention, then you don't know how to love one another. You can't give them that love. We've been on and on about gospel communities, haven't we, here for, for a long time. Because we believe that is the place where you can give attention to one another. If you're not in a gospel community, get in one. And you think, oh, it's not working too well, well, make it work. Love one another well. Give one another attention. Spend time with each other. Go down the beach with one another. Spend time with one another. Walk with one another. Walk and pray with one another. Even blokes can do that. Can't we, John? And if you're walking and praying, you're side by side. Blokes, we don't really like this bit much. That's just because we're wimps. Women do it well. We need to follow them. We do this. But we can do that and still pray for one another. We can still that and talk with one another. You can go fishing with someone and be beside them and casting and going in your empty box and then someone bring you back into thinking, talking about Jesus, can't you? You don't have to look at them. What I'm saying is, uh, blokes, we do it a little bit different. We need to think about that. We need to think about that as blokes. You know, our gospel communities are great and they're round and that's good, we can be doing that. But get beside one another, spend time with one another. Pray with one another. Ask them how they're going with their relationship with Jesus. And be open and honest with one another. If it's crap, tell them. I'm, I'm really struggling at the moment with my relationship with Jesus. I'm finding it really hard. I was finding it really hard to find rhythm when I went into this new role. And I wasn't spending anywhere near enough time of giving attention to God. I just couldn't find that rhythm that I needed to find. And I just need to get, I need to make. So this is where this Lecto Divinia came in for me. And so I've put Fridays, I've said from 8 till 10 on Fridays, doesn't matter, that's it. We've got to be determined and we've got to get, get out and do it. Let me encourage you in that. Oh, you guys are amazing. I love you dearly. And you've been fantastic at doing that. But don't slack off. I don't think you are. But I'm going to tell you don't. Keep it up. Keep doing it. Do life with one another. Give each other attention because it develops devotion. It develops love for one another. Who knows this? 
F45 training. It's the go. It's everywhere. The blokes who started this bought a, 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 up in Byron on the middle of, what's the one at uh, Wadigo's? The biggest house. They bought Wadigo's biggest house not that long ago. They're the F45 guys because they're making money everywhere. F45 is a new training scheme. It's the latest thing that you need to do. 45 minutes, you go hard. Uh, some of our family are into it. But the key with any training th scheme, if you talk to anybody, the key to being trained and doing it well is that you've got to have a strong core. Your core is the key. That's the muscles that wrap around here. And then if your muscles are wrapped around here, if that core is strong, then the rest of it starts to work properly. Your back starts to work properly. Your arms start to work properly. Everything starts to move because your core is strong. Friends, your core is that you are loved by God. That in Jesus, you are dearly, precious, loved children of him. That's the core. And if you want to work on your core, then you want to grow that love, don't you? Attention develops devotion. Spend time growing in his love, experience his love, knowing his love, feeling his love, seeing his love. Because then you can go out and be lovers of others. Because that's what we're called to be. Loved to be lovers. I pray that for me. I pray that for you. And I pray that for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. You loved us so much. Even though we wanted to run away from you, even though we wanted to hide from you, you stepped into our world and into our life in Jesus. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Forgive us for, not, for ignoring that, forgiving us for not giving you the attention that you deserve. Forgive us for growing away from you and not experiencing your love. Thank you, Lord, that you draw us in. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit convicts us and, and convinces us and draws us back to you. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit will do a mighty work in our hearts this morning, that we will know your love, Lord. We'll have a desire to grow in your love, Lord. And in other that, that we will go out and be people who know that we're loved to be lovers of others. By the power of your spirit, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.